This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Here's Manko who plays ahead to McCann. Back into the Montreal zone on left wing. McCann shoots, scores! Clean wrist shot from the top of the left circle by Ilya McKayev beats Jake Allen who didn't have his stick. And the Canucks extend their lead to 2 to nothing. Corona gets it right wing, dumps it behind the net. Garland's got it, right circle, out front, backhand shot, stopped by Allen. Garland gets his own rebound, Allen stopped that too. On the third chance, they score! Dakota Joshua at the side of the net, chops it home. Jake Allen could only do so much. And the Canucks lead 3 to nothing. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Pearson in again on the left wing. Center pass in front, what a save by DeSmith on a tap-in chance for Monaghan at the top of the crease. Casey DeSmith sliding to his left is able to hold it out. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks bounce back with a 5-2 victory in Montreal to ensure they win two out of three games on the road trip. Very successful at the end of the day. The Canucks pick up their 11th win of the season, and, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We'll get to the reaction, and we'll get to Randy Janda, who's standing by in just one moment, Bick, but... Uh, we mentioned in the first period, Canucks weren't really where they needed to be. They weren't playing all that connected. They weren't quite where they needed to be in terms of their positioning. Well, the final 40 minutes, they got back to their details, far more connected, and uh, pretty professional performance for the final 40 to come away with the victory. Yeah, much more like that Dallas game where they can showcase that they can salt the game away. And such a departure from what we saw at the beginning of last year where they had mm-hmm. all these double-digit, or sorry, double-digit, uh, multi-goal leads and had their problems closing games out, and, and, and they just couldn't do it. Uh, this year, this one will improve them to 10-0-0 in leading after two. Yeah. 10-0-0? Yeah. Wow. So, not bad. The Canucks, they are money with the lead in the third period, and they ice this game convincingly against the Habs. Let's welcome in Randy Janda into the conversation. And Randy, I mean, the Canucks were on such a great run, but anytime you lose to the Leafs, it leaves a real sour taste in Canucks fans' mouths, and, and people weren't happy because they lost to the Leafs ultimately. But all you can do is bounce back the next game, and they did that tonight. They did. And that first period, there were a couple of moments I heard you guys kind of talk about that opening 20 and you could see Montreal was, you know, skating and the Canucks, maybe not so much the uh, the risk assessment in that first period, especially on the right hand side of defense, maybe was not the greatest, but you make adjustments, you come back in the second period. And you play the right way. They're so much better at the blue line of really cutting down the speed of Montreal, uh, having their own speed. They had their own, you know, uh, transition attack. And that goal that Garland scores, just a heads-up play by Quinn Hughes, JT Miller playing with speed. Uh, and you saw more of that. And you, that, you saw them attack through that. So I think this is a, you know, a good response to last night. Obviously, there were some issues in the game that they played yesterday. We talked about it pregame, Sat. But... Having that in-game ability to just say, okay, they're moving their feet, we're not, uh, we're going to change this. Uh, it was a good response in-game as well where uh, I liked the way that they came out in the second period and kind of tightened it up a little bit where it was a little bit too much run and gun in the first period. 
These uh, third periods here, uh, they're, they're winning these games, and it's not as if they're chaotic and hanging on. They are very professional, and I just mentioned it. They're, they're now a perfect 10 for 10 when leading after two. Uh, much better trend. You know, we do see teams uh, across the league, and really all sports, where when they try to play that prevent style, they're not really doing that. No, they're not. And, you know, more than anything, it's kind of like – Certain moments in the third period, they're going to also step on it a little bit to just to say, okay, hey, if you make a mistake, we're here to take advantage. And uh, I look at a couple of moments in the you know the third period where they're they're playing a responsible game, uh, but they still have moments where they're where t- they're taking that chance. They're keeping you honest. And you know, overall, if you start looking at their third period play, I know we focused a lot on the second period because the goal differential is substantial. But guys, here in this you know third period, heading into this game, they they were looking really, really good. Positive goal differential across the board. And more than anything, the poise of being in a position to say, hey, we got this. We're going to play to our system. We're going to stick to our structure. We're not going to go out of our way to push things. But we're not going to also sit back where you're going to push the right button at the right time. And is there a goal out there potentially in this game? Sure. If, if the opportunity arises, we're going to go to take it. But you're not necessarily just sitting back and saying we're going to collapse every single time. We're going to block shots. Um, there was effort. But it's a it's a game that's played in the neutral zone where in the past what we've seen is it's a bend but not break in the, de- the defensive zone. They're actually skating forward to to Rick Tockett's point, where you know that game is being played in the neutral zone, guys. So you're mm-hmm. not as be- you're not as bending as much as as we've seen this team in the past. No, certainly, and you know a, a lot of their defense is also predicated on, on how the forwards play and how connected they are. Yeah. And I think they helped out in a huge way today. Teddy Bluger got his first taste, and we'll talk about him coming up in a second. But I thought the player who was most impactful five on five um, was J T. Miller tonight. Now Connor Garland had incredible game too and he deserves his credit as well but considering the matchup that JT Miller plays the minutes he plays you know the role that he has and and just his ability to fight through contact make high skill plays score goals set teammates up I mean we saw a bit of everything from JT tonight yeah boys I, I was talking about this with Batch as well and we mentioned it during the game um, how many times did we say Nick Suzuki or Cole Caulfield's name Five on five today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not very often, right? It was a great chance for Caulfield on the power play where DeSmith makes a save. But overall, you know, what's that trend we're starting to pick up here now? Last few games, or pretty much all the season, anytime, you know, whether it's a Rope Hints, uh, whether it's Austin Matthews' last game, there's moments in a game where you're saying, where is that other guy? Where's, where's, you know, where's the star player for the other team? And I look back and Nick Suzuki played a heck of a game last night against Boston. Uh, today, you couldn't really necessarily see him. So there's the, the effort that JT has on the defensive side of things. But on top of that, you know, playing with speed, there is a moment, I believe it was in the second period, where just a, a big physical, you know, shielding the puck, working his way through the neutral zone. I'm not even talking about the goal that Garland scores. That's a heck of a play with soft hands to make that pass, corral that puck mm-hmm. and, and, you know, get that goal, guys. But there was another play where it was kind of like shades of Todd Bertuzzi, right? We forget how big JT Miller is and how good of a player he can be at shielding the puck with his big frame. And you just start to see that on the offensive side and so consistent on the defensive side where this time last year, we were questioning whether this guy could be a top six center or whether he'd be a winger. And he has told the hockey world, everybody that, hey man, I'm a center. Moving forward for the next few years anyways, 
in my prime, I'm going to be a center, and he's backing it up every single game, not only offensively, but defensively, when you're not hearing a peep out of the opposition's top players. Even yesterday against Toronto, it, it was the bottom six and the middle six that got it done for them, and William Nylander shouts to him. But outside of that, guys, like Matthews Marner, you didn't hear anything. So, you know, we're starting to see that a lot more when JT gets those matchups. Uh, it's three points in 14 games coming into tonight for Connor Garland. Uh, it was one point in his last nine. And, you know, we were talking about guys coming out of the lineup last night on the postgame show. And it was like, okay, Hoaglander, Joshua, Beauvillier, the, the usual candidates. And then late in the postgame, we're like, you know, if, if we're arguing bottom lines, it's not really there for Connor Garland was tonight in a big way, uh, getting the goal and, and obviously featuring in the Joshua one as well. Yeah, and I think there was a moment late in the game as well, maybe about, I want to say, five to seven minutes, in around the 10-minute mark maybe, where also he's being aggressive at the blue line blocking mm. shot. So, like, there's the effort across the board. And I know with Connor, there's been a lot of criticism of, okay, there's a lot of activity, right, um, in the offensive zone, but is that finished there? Are a lot of shots coming from the perimeter Today, you know, just that the ability to drive the net on that play with JT Miller, heck of a pass. But I thought today was definitely a bottom line game for him when you're saying there's a little bit of pressure on everybody. Connor Garland, um, to me, he's not in that conversation necessarily to be outside the lineup. But I can understand why if you're not bringing the, the bottom line, you're probably on the periphery of that conversation. Um, but this is a classic game where you might not get that much time, right? He got 12 minutes and three seconds. Um, you know, halfway through the third period, he was around eight minutes, eight forty-five or so. But he had two points. He was bringing the effort, and that Dakota Joshua play, where it's not only the fact that he's, you know, bringing the shot and he's taking a couple of shots on that play. It's he wins the puck mm-hmm. behind the net. If I believe it was against Mike Matheson, so he actually ends up yeah. taking the puck away there. That to me is like okay, activity and energy is one thing, but if you're able to win battles like that. You're not going anywhere, and that's why the third line could be uh, a driver in the sense that, you know, you have some offensive pop there. And if Connor Garland plays like that, guys, uh, there's going to be interest across the league. I know we, we know where his conversation has been this year, but he's also an asset to this team because he is capable of that. Now, so the question is, can he provide that game-to-game when he's playing around 12, 13 minutes a game? Uh, tonight he did, and he looked great. Yeah, and Tyler from Abbotsford said, not trading Garland was one of the best moves the head office has made this season. Thought he played great today and was their best player in the second half of the game yesterday. So, uh, he, and we had people texting in before the game and during the intermission as well saying, you know, Garland's really good. He deserves more credit than what he's gotten. And tonight he came through on, this, on, on the score sheet as well. He had not scored a goal since the first game of the season against Edmonton. So it had yep. been a long time coming for Connor Garland. But, uh, you know, I, I did, I did want, also want to bring up on the back Again, Philip Hronik, he extended his point streak to 10 games now. And it bears repeating and mentioning because there's only one one streak longer. And it's by Yir Bupla and Dennis Kearns, who, who had an 11-game point streak. For a defenseman to pick up this many points uh, in 10 games is remarkable. Even Quinn Hughes hasn't done so. I know he gets a lot of, um, let's say fortuitous opportunities playing with Quinn Hughes and being out with the players he's out with oftentimes, but you still have to put it, put it together. And he's got to make those plays. He's got he's got 10 in a row now. Yeah. And it's, you know, 10 in a row, but overall the number at 16, which is kind of wild because he does it quietly. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be moments in a game where I remember there was a, what a, a, like a drop, like a backhand pass to the middle of the ice. Um, 
goes to Brock Besser. He flips it to the, the middle, and that's kind of a loud play where you're saying, oh, man, that's risky. It doesn't burn the Canucks, but there's going to be moments like that with Philip Hronick. Even in Detroit, he used to do that where it's just like, oh, you know, the blood pressure goes up a little bit. But, guys, most of his offense is pretty understated. He's got a heavy shot, and every now and then he's going he's gonna to beat you with that. But we haven't seen that so much here in Vancouver yet. But just his ability to be, play that complementary role, um, it is understated. But he's got that offensive skill. If he was on another pairing by himself, you probably see that a little bit more. If he's on another team, he's probably on power play one with with that shot, with that ability to find you know players in the slot. He's one of the the better players over the last couple of years um, to in terms of slot passes uh, in the NHL. So it is impressive, but. I think, yes, he's benefiting from Quinn Hughes, but at the same time, he's doing all these subtle things and slowly picking up these points that maybe we don't appreciate his game enough. And he's just flying under the radar because he does uh, play next to a a Quinn Hughes. But, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, That's impressive. We got 16 points now in 15 games, point-per-game player. And it's I've really enjoyed what I've seen of him. I think he's been lower risk than I thought he would be when... You know, he was traded to Vancouver from Detroit. In Detroit, I remember him trying to force a lot of plays. In Vancouver, he doesn't have to do that because Quinn Hughes is the guy that's going to be making those plays. In Detroit, he was the player that was, you know, really in the spotlight to, to push the offense. Here, he's playing a more understated game, and he's able to to let the na- the the offense come naturally. And, and it's working very well because you got one of the best defensemen playing next to you, and you can play a comfortable game. You can play a, a you know, you don't have to have the puck on your stick so much, and the offense is coming to him, boys. Uh, he had more to do in the first period uh, than the the last 40, uh, but Casey DeSmith turns away 30 of 32 that he sees and now improves to 4 Oh, and one. Uh, I know there was that comment earlier, like, hey, Gar- not moving Garland was the best move. Finding Casey DeSmith uh, quickly turning into one of the best moves uh, this team has done here in the early season. Yeah, boys, that's what you call a revenge game right there. Even though he never suited up for them. <laughs> five weeks yeah. of maybe just taking a photo with them, if anything. Uh, I don't even know if you got a, a Montreal Canadiens headshot. But, um, yeah, this you mentioned the first period because they were – they were slower. They were not moving their feet. There was a few transition chances. But, guys, in that third period, though, right? And I, I kind of go back to that power play that Montreal ends up getting when it is 3-0. Cole Caulfield has that chance on basically the Ovechkin spot on the left-hand side. And the aggressiveness that DeSmith has there to charge the blue paint. Caulfield's by himself there. And he cuts down the angle. That's a confident play by a veteran goaltender to say, I know where this is going. I got this. And, you know, that's a a slightly difficult spot, too, because it's between the arm and the body. But he controls it, doesn't spill out a rebound. And then after that, another opportunity on Monaghan. There's a few others throughout. One save that really stood out to me, it's 3 nothing. And you can understand with Teddy Bluger, there's a lot of rust. Remember that pass? He just plays east-west. And a heck of a save there by DeSmith. Composed, doesn't panic. That's what you want from a backup where you're saying there might be certain nights where the guys are playing a back-to-back. Are you on your game? And Casey DeSmith, you can't criticize anything this guy's done this year. And that's kind of what Vancouver has missed the last few years, dating back you know, to the few iterations of this team. Whereas you know, going back to Yarrow Halak, essentially, mm-hmm. can you rely on your backup? 
And it's a resounding yes right now with Casey DeSmith. Well, yeah, you mentioned the save on Monaghan. It was 3-1 at the time. East-West pass comes across and makes a save. And, you know, they score there and it's about eight minutes to go. And it's 3-2. You, you don't know yep. how the rest of that game goes, right? So you're right. Casey DeSmith with some really timely saves outside the first period as well. Uh, before we let you go, uh, the guy who made the call, or or maybe Ian Clark, or maybe we should, we should say the coaching staff, actually. Yes, the coaching staff. Because Ian Clark has been working his goalies well. They decide to go... Two out of three with Casey to Smith. It works out. He wins both those starts, right? So that worked out. Before the game, they made the call to put Teddy Bluger back in the game. And some wondered if Dakota Joshua comes out. Kept Dakota Joshua in. And like KK texted into our text inbox and said, hey, Dakota Joshua, net front goal in a, in a tight game like this is something that could happen. And, and it makes sense why he's in the lineup. It comes through. He scores a goal. Well, and then uh, the video coach calls down to the coach and says, you better you mm-hmm. better uh, challenge the tying goal at the time, the 1-1 goal uh, Montreal scored, but they challenged for the offside. That comes through. That goal gets taken off the board. And you just look at the season so far, the team, how the team responds. The coaching staff, also some successful calls tonight. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, there was a lot of discussion before the game about, okay, uh, Juleson over Friedman, which we can understand that. We can understand where Mark Friedman's numbers were going and his minutes were going. Uh, Niels Hoaglander, and I know a lot of people were saying, hey, why is he out of the lineup? Um, guys, going back to that Toronto game, that 2-2 goal was not the greatest of shifts for Niels Hoaglander, so I can understand that. And everything kind of came off right for the Canucks today in terms of those calls. And, you know, Rick Tockett mentioned this after the last game, and I believe it was that morning skate today where he's saying, Hey, yeah, we got we've gotten some bounces this year. Uh, last night they didn't go their way, but you kind of make your own bounces. You make your own luck, and you have to, um, you know, put yourself in a good situation to get those bounces. Today they went back to that, and you mentioned Dakota Joshua. He gets the goal there. Connor Garland does a lot of the work, but one of the things I liked about Dakota Joshua's game, guys, was you started to kind of see his neutral zone play where his ability to, to be the F1, but if the puck gets out and is in the neutral zone, like he's engaged. And, and that hit on, on camp uh, last game was him being difficult to play against in the neutral zone. Today, there's a couple of moments as well where you notice him in that area and that's going to endear him to the coaching staff. So I know the scratch uh, was something that he noted. That was something that he wants motivation. He wants to be challenged, which is what you want to hear. But that neutral zone play is something that he's got to focus on. He's got to bring that physicality and that speed. So, yeah, you, you basically, you know, you take somebody else out, you keep Dakota Joshua in, and today he was, he's a, he's a handful, especially in the forecheck. And if he's playing physical through the neutral zone, he's got that long reach. He can be disruptive. He can be decent with a stick. Um, so far, so good. And I, I think Rick Tockett... Tonight, anyways, and, and the coaching staff did a great job of, of getting these guys in. And Noah Juleson, yeah, he was diving into the neutral zone in the first period. But after that, you didn't really notice any too much bad from him as well. So it all seemed to work out in this game. So, uh, you know, it's a good way to come back to Vancouver uh, set up for Wednesday night. Yeah, and the Wednesday night game is a real special one because Bo Horvat makes his return to Vancouver with the New York Islanders after being traded by the club last last season. So that's going to be a real uh, emotional, I think, hyped-up game, and we look forward to chatting with you about that one on Wednesday and talking with you about it post-game as well. Cheers. It is a special night on two fronts. It's Diwali night at mm-hmm. Rogers Arena as well. And I want to wish all the listeners as well. It's uh, actually the, the main day of Diwali today. So happy Diwali to everybody out there. And uh, boys, chat soon.
Thank you. Great stuff. Good words, as always. That's Randy Janda calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor tonight. Um, and keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Corey from Abbotsford says, such a great effort. Holy smokes, what a great game. Habs brought great speed and pressure, and the Canucks outmanaged the game, and DeSmith was big when needed. Awesome game. Let's go home happy. Let's go home happy and also happy Diwali. That's Corey from Abbotsford texting in. Yeah, I, I mean... Um, the Canucks did bounce back the way you needed to. And as we kind of, you know, ran through with Randeep, it wasn't a game where they had a lot of passengers and the calls the team made and the decisions with the lineup all seemed to work out. We didn't, we didn't even mention um, Noah Juleson, for instance. Mm-hmm. He had one moment where we mentioned the first Settled shift. in, but like... He, set after, he settled in after. Yeah. You know, he, he took the penalty. It's a bit bad luck on the high stick, which mm-hmm. leads to the five on three. But outside of that, I thought he was pretty clean in how he played, and he acquitted himself well. Uh, and Noah Juleson uh, winds up today, 14.33. So it's like, if you can cross the 14-minute barrier, I'd like to see 15, obviously. But if you can cross 14, that to me is, for your number 60, man, at the very least, start doing that. And... I, you know, wonder if there's some jitters. You know, revenge game for Noah Jolson, uh, <laughs> being in Montreal, uh, but does what he needs to do. And yeah. it's it's the same thing with Bluger, right? Yeah. Like, hadn't played in a long time. Obviously, timing's going to be off. A little bit of rust. Bluger made a couple of mistakes, but. Hey, start working your way back into it. Juleson, mm-hmm. this was a fine performance to come back into the lineup. Yeah, it was, right? And I'd say even if you look at Mark Friedman's minutes, the last four games, there was no game he had over 12 minutes of ice mm-hmm. time. So it was clear that it had been dwindling. And uh, you saw and, Juleson get 14.33 tonight. And the byproduct of that, well, here's Philip Ronick at 23.50. Yeah. Now, Quinn Hughes played 28.37 tonight. Some of this is elevated because Carson Soucy going out. But yes, which we should talk about in a second. Yeah, the, the fact that you know some guys were, were able to um, play more conventional minutes than, than what we'd see normally. Yeah, and you know on Carson Soucy, that's maybe the, the only real sour spot on the game. Mm-hmm. Blocked a shot in the second period, did not even come out for, for the third, did not return to the game. And we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett as soon as we get that available, and we'll, we'll see what the status is of him. You hope he's all right. Otherwise... Well, it might be a roster decision to make in terms of a call-up maybe. Can you with IR? A lot of questions yeah. start you know, being asked because they don't like having two, uh, two players with the same handedness on a pair. And right now their seven defenseman is Mark Friedman. So it would pose some questions if uh, he's not good to go on Wednesday. Yeah, if they have some issues. Um, the thing is, as far as depth-wise, I think they can survive an injury on the left side more than they can on the right side. I don't disagree necessarily. Yeah. So... Depending what it means for call-ups and all this sort of stuff, if that materializes, if it means a Hirose has to play a game or something like that, that's fine. Yeah, I'd be a little bit worried if it was on the right side. Uh, this text, uh, when does Zadorov arrive to replace Susi? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure it's going to be that imminent. I don't, I don't expect that. Devin Cam Loops, love to see the team respond on a, to a flat performance with a strong game. Bester on pace for 65 this season. Scores an empty net goal, Bick, and also gets an assist. And unselfish by JT Miller, too, who to pass the yeah, second empty them, net yeah. goal. Uh, yeah, even Bester gets it to JT, and JT gets it over to PDG to get the tally, and that made it 5-2, which is the final score of this game we'll get to more of your text messages uh but let's let's go to the phone boards as well and let's start things off in coquitlam where we have prez on the line prez thanks for calling in what are your thoughts tonight what's going on gentlemen long time coming awesome man. uh great to- uh solid bounce back game obviously this is a game that they probably would have found a way to lose last year so you're already starting to see uh the um, fruits bearing from Rick Tockett's uh, system mm-hmm. that he's got 
And honestly, I just called in because I want to hear people roast Mike from Surrey. I know he's about to call in right after me, and he's going to say something. So I can't wait for everyone else to start roasting him. And then uh, props to you, Sat, Chelsea, 4-4. Yes. I know it's hockey, whatever. Props for a draw? Uh, Come on. It was against Manchester City. (laughs) Against you beat Luton 1-0, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's still like, three go, points. Go it's still the, three points. Bro, that's like that's cheering, that's like cheering Canucks uh, beat Edmonton. Oh, great. Who cares? <laughs> like, not a big deal. So, uh, yeah. But uh, if Randy appears this, Koig, let's go, boys. <laughs> love it. Thank you. Uh, that is Prez for Coquitlam calling in, hyped up about his team. And also, I, I always love the uh, soccer references, mm-hmm. too. So, uh, shout out for that. That, that is fantastic. Um, and, and, I mean, yeah, it, it was one of those... Good bounce back performances. I know a lot of people are kind of saying the same thing on the text inbox. All you can do is win the games that are in front of you. Mm-hmm. And Montreal obviously is not at the same caliber Vancouver is. Heading into this game, though, they were occupying the second wild card spot in, in the East. So they've been better than a lot of teams in the East so far this year. And you see the speed they play with. You see, the, you know how how hard they work. <laughs> Yeah, they work hard. They work hard. It's, I mean, they work for their coach. They block a lot of shots. You know, they throw a lot of hits. They sacrifice. They're not afraid of mixing things up. I mean, they're a team that if you don't show up ready to play, they're going to feed you. And that's what's happened a few times this year. To your point, 24 block shots tonight yeah. for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. And that's a team that you have to work against. So even though, yes, it's an opponent that the Canucks came in favored, they should win. But you still have to play hard against them to win. And the Canucks did that, especially the final 40 minutes, to come away with the victory. What else are the people saying on the text inbox, Vic? 650-650, Nav in Dallas. In Dallas. I love uh, it. JT is now in top 10 points, goals and assists. I uh, can't believe people wanted Bo over him and wanted to, to trade him last year. <laughs> he is a beast. Steven White Rock, 650-650. These Canucks are structured that once again pretty much dictated play uh, the entire tonight. The, the entire night. Toronto was definitely a weird one. But besides that, they're playing the kind of hockey they want to play and not being dictated by the other team. Uh, I really hope this is the JT Miller for another few years because he continues to be an incredible player all around. That's Steve from White Rock. You know what, Bic? Let's walk through some of the things JT Miller did tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only was he good in the draw, there was a few things he did, did well there, and he got a couple assists and everything. He was 67% tonight in the draw. He was draw. fantastic. I mean, it was unfortunate uh, the Canucks got scored on, because on that 5-on-3, he won a couple big draws and mm-hmm. had a couple clears. Some big moments when the game was, you know, there was some real pressure and opportunity there for Montreal, and he was fantastic on the PK as well. But we talk about a guy who is physical, he can skate well, he plays center, he's now good defensively, solid defensively at the very least. He's an incredible playmaker, such great vision, incredibly soft hands, but he can shield the puck as well as anybody. And one of the things I love about him when he's on top of his game, he works through contact without losing the puck. And he exhibited those things on a couple of occasions on two goals, one where he got an assist for, which was on Garland's goal. And and Bick, like walk through just what JT did on that entire sequence. Yeah, the Garland goal, he... he reads a play that they're trying to send the puck down the wall in the offensive zone and there he is to break it up and you know they they struggled so much in the first period moving the puck and just kind of being a bit lazy about it. We were talking about Hronik and someone texted in. Hronik made some dangerous passes in the first period. He absolutely did. A lot of players struggled in that first period. But then this Garland goal it, it, just, it just looks settled again and it's Miller to Cole to Hughes and you can't be passive. Like even once the the play is past you, yeah. and you've, you've made your pass. You still got to get back and, and re-engage. And Miller just up the wing, 
with as hard as he can. And Quinn recognizes it. And Quinn's like, okay, I can't get him tape to tape. But if I put it to a spot, he'll go chase after it. Mm-hmm. And just cross ice. There was a lane there. And it's an unbelievable pass by Quinn Hughes. And JT yeah. just skates onto it. Quick uh, hands uh, to slide that in for Garland as well. Yeah, I mean, just just incredible from JT on that play, and also um, on the which, which was the second Canucks second goal of the game, the Joshua goal. Yeah, the, the Joshua goal. Uh, no, sorry, the McKayev. Sorry, goal. yes, the yeah, McKayev goal, yeah. goal. That happens because JT Miller. He, he makes a good play in the defensive zone. He works through a lot of contact on that shift. And the thing I love the most is how he gets a zone entry and mm-hmm. fights off a bunch of contact, holds on to the puck, shields it. And he, buy, he buys enough time to allow his teammates to enter the zone. They get a cycle going. And this is where the details matter in terms of winning your battles, being in the right spot, holding on to pucks in the offensive zone. The coach talks about this. Can you hold on to pucks more and make plays? He exhibits all those things in his staples that they want to show on that play. They end up getting some zone time, a lot of pressure. Jake Allen loses his stick, and it's a second period, so there's a long change at that point. And the, the halves are just pinned defensively. A bunch of chaos is going on. The Canucks get off for a change. The Pedersen line comes out. Briefly, Montreal gets out of the zone, but Mikheyev crosses a turnover. They go on to score to make it 2-0 at the time. But that all happens because of JT Miller's good play defensively through the neutral zone, his puck control in the offensive zone, which allowed them to, to get sustained. Doesn't get a point on that, but these are the types of things you need to do to allow your team to stay in the offensive zone and, and have zone time, and it was on full display. JT Miller protecting the puck is like, my favorite version of him. Like, he's really good at shooting. He's really good at setting people up. You can win face-offs, all that sort of stuff. But when he puts a guy in his hip, that to me is like the yeah. funnest version of JT Miller. And he's so good at, at continuing to accelerate. Like, it's one thing to just kind of protect the puck. Yeah. Like, you're late 30s, early 40s Yager, and you're like, hey, I'll just pivot around the yeah. guy. I got a huge rear end. I can just work it. It's another thing to to generate speed. And push through it. Through contact yeah. and separate and still allow yourself to make a play once you get past the guy. You know, he's such a... I was talking about this on Friday on the People Show with uh, Luke Gadzik. It's... Uh, there are power forwards. There are skill players. But in today's age where there's been so much emphasis on speed and skill, and you, it's necessary, you need yes. it, and the league needed to evolve. He's become kind of a unique, scarce player that this style of player, there just aren't a lot of them. No, especially guys playing center doing that. Yeah, and, and again, there's more skilled players. There's guys yes. who are going to probably put up more points. But the, the style of player, to me, doesn't exist as frequently. And honestly, even a lot of players that put up more points, I mean, he might finish the year top 10 in NHL scoring this year. Totally. Right? So it's like, so yeah. I mean, just look at the, I mean, the last, I think, three or four years on totality, he's a top 10 scorer in the NHL mm-hmm. with his consistency in which he scored. So, I mean, he's, he's a remarkable hockey player when he's on top of his game, and he showed that tonight. Like it, it, it's a, a rugged skill player. Yeah. It's... It's just different. It is different, man. No, he's been fantastic. This text says, PD was not on his game tonight. This is where it's handy having an excellent 2C in Miller. It also helps to be able to be able to roll four lines. That's also a good text and observation. Teddy Bluger made his return. We'll talk about Teddy Bluger. We'll get to more of your text messages, and we'll get to comments from the head coach. And also on your, your phone calls, it's Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar after a 5-2 Canucks win over the Habs right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. He fires it right wing for Miller in stride across the Montreal line. Hit for Garland, he scores! Connor Garland driving the middle, tips it home on the backhand. It's his first goal since the first game of the season. And the Canucks take a 1-0 lead. And the Canucks hit the Habs with some speed of their own. Playing fast through the neutral zone. And it starts all with Quinn Hughes yet again. A pass cross-ice feed to JT Miller who's coming in with speed. And just soft hands by JT. Canucks beat the Habs 5-2, coming back from a 5-2 loss against the, Montre- against the Toronto Maple Leafs last night to finish the road trip with four out of six points. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We are going to get to the comments of head coach Rick Tockett post game as soon as we get that available to us um and we are going to get to uh, some of your phone calls coming up as well uh prez called in from coquitlam and uh, also called that mike and surrey mike and surrey's on the line we'll get to him in just just a moment as well but he was called out so he called back to response we have a uh, listener on listener violence on uh, on the on the phone boards tonight. shout out to mike and surrey I, I said he'd call again in three weeks so it's like it's not every time he's, he's calling more frequently than Connor garland scores <laughs> Facts only. Facts only. But not as commonly as uh, the Montreal Canadiens lose skate blades in a hockey game. Oh, my goodness. That was pretty comical, actually. Yeah. Pretty comical. Uh, Aichi texted in, uh, credit to Montreal's equipment manager, finding a good deal on skate blades off Amazon. <laughs> Jokes for 60. <laughs> Jokes for 60. That's a good one. Coming in strong. Uh, we like it a lot. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox. We'll get to some of those. Uh, but let's go to the phone boards. Uh, Mike, you were summoned and you did call in. <laughs> so uh, what what you got for us tonight, buddy? Uh, so two fifty an hour. Just uh, <laughs> put it on the bill, guys. Um, first off, just to correct you, Sat, you know, you're mis- uh, we go way back when you were a puppy on the other thing and you were begging me to be on the air and encouraging oh. me because I was, I was making the ratings and now you're slashing me when I'm not even on and you're misrepresenting. What did I, what did I say? On, what did I say? What happened? What did I get you wrong? You said, yeah, I, I listened to you guys, you said that when, in filling in the recap of the last time I called, you said that I changed my tune. That's exactly what you said. Yeah. Do you know who, do you know who changes their tune? Who's that? The bookies. That's what I do. I have formulas every game. Guess what I do? I update them. It's an observation right. stat. You know, it no, changes your observation. Fair enough. I can't, that, well, that's the truth. Okay, okay no, fair, all right. Fair, but okay, but just, just quickly. But you did say the first, the after the first game you called in when they won eight yeah. one. Like you called in and said this is a bad hockey team. You said that that day, right? So that's all I'm responding to. But anyways, go on. Go on. Fair I don't right. want to. I don't okay. want you. to keep right. going. Right. I don't want to get into it. Yes. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Sample size got larger. Stat. The sample yeah, size. Fair it was, enough. It was a two game fair sample, enough. and then I, when he called, it was a thirteen game sample. Fair enough. All right. If I said it was a bad, that's not. I said I meant that they're not a great team. Okay, I got you. And that's the whole point. Right. All right. Second point here, Prez out there. He's one of the Benning bros that got us in this mess. That's why uh, the reason, the underlying, to get to the core of why I'm, I'm a fan. I've been a fan. I went the first nine years in the 70s. I didn't miss a game, right? I'm a fan. The reason why I'm angry is because I do not see a window for them to win the cup because of the damage Benning did. And it, I was the first guy saying that Benning should be gone. It took four years. And Prez was one of those guys saying, oh, Benning's great. So that's where I'm coming from. And just to give you the background, the next point is my, what I'm saying about the team is exactly 
what the bookies are saying. I've got a model. There's four other really good models, I, I, and the bookies tell you. They played Ottawa. They went into Ottawa, not a great team, with a backup goalie on a backup night, and the Canucks were barely a favorite. That, if you do all the math, tells you they're a 54 or 55% team, 95-point team. That's all I'm saying. You combine a 95-point team with not much chance in the future of improving. That's the frustrating part. And here's the last thing, guys. Would you trade the Canucks right now? Everything. Cap, players, everything. The stars, the Bobby Orr, Scotty behind the bench, um, uh, Cass in the center. Would you trade the Vancouver Canucks at this moment with the LA Kings? Would you, Bick? Would you, Seth? Hey, thanks for the phone call, Mike. Uh, No, I wouldn't. I'd rather have the Canucks than have the LA Kings because of Pedersen and Hughes. And Demko. It's interesting. Uh, no, I, I just because Kopitar and Doughty are the age that they are. Right now, I, if, I, if it's prime Kopitar and Doughty, sure. Well, exactly. And I mean, Philip Deneau is good, but he's also. But if you talk about JT's contract, he's going to be a third mm-hmm. line center making over five million, for instance, right? Like so. I don't know if the pathways there are necessarily far better than they are here because a lot of their prospects they have haven't panned out either, you know, and they've used a lot of their capital mm-hmm. already, and they are kind of capped out now too. I disagree that the Canucks don't have avenues to get better because you still have draft picks. You can still make your team better. You'll have more cap space as the cap goes up as well. You have to be smart about some of the contracts you hand out. They have to make some smart moves, but you don't have to have ELCs to win. Last year, the Vegas Golden Knights didn't have an entry-level contract. That was a significant contributor for them to win the Stanley Cup. Facts only? There are different ways to win a Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. right? The Canucks are still a ways away from being a Stanley Cup contending team. I don't think that their pathways and avenues are as closed off as Mike thinks. But, you know, f- fair enough points, that's all. I don't want to misrepresent it too much. Low-key. Um, I know he's 25, but would right. you... Um, I, I'd rather have JT Miller, even at his age, than PLD. Like. Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't showcased that he's like, no. I, I, again, I, I think at his best, we've seen him in, in playoff series, and it's obviously, go ask Toronto and, and Tampa, how difficult it can be to deal with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, but like he, he, he hasn't had a 70-point season. No, he hasn't. JT's had a 99-point season. <laughs> yeah. Followed it up with an 80-plus season. He's on pace for uh, a lot this year as well. Yeah. So even at his advanced age, uh, relative to Dubois, I think I'd rather have JT. Yeah, I would too. I mean, JT has been a far better player. I don't think Dubois has gotten close to the level that he needs to be at. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Uh, this one says, "Good on Mike and Siri for calling in." Others saying, "Stop taking Mike's phone call." So you get a bit of everything about uh, Mike and Siri. We're pro accountability. Things. Yeah, he was called out. He called back in. I don't know if Prez is a bending boy though. I'd say that that might be a be a not yeah. unfair characterization. Tia in Vancouver says, do you, "What do you guys make of Besser being on the ice for the last minute instead of PD?" Was it just for a line change? I'd say one of the things the coach has actually talked about recently quite a bit is that he trusts Brock Besser late in games. Besser's been out there late in games quite mm-hmm. a bit. Pedersen, and this has been a theme too on the text inbox tonight, people commenting on Pedersen not being at the level that we expect from him. I mean, it's funny. The guy leads the entire National Hockey League in points with 25, didn't get any points tonight in the game, but clearly doesn't look like himself out there. I thought he was better tonight than he was yesterday in Toronto, Bic, but in terms of him not being out there the last minute, I don't know if it was so much about... Um, I think he trusts those guys, but maybe with the game being out of hand, why not? Why throw him out there any extra if you don't need to? Uh, just trying to bring up Patterson's uh, shift chart. Uh, he was out there for the 
uh, goal against. So, so he was playing late in the game. Uh, the Jackai goal he was out there for. Yeah. So again, he he was out there, but. It was, it was a 49-second shift. I just imagine his time to get off the ice. Yeah, I would imagine so as well. All right. Uh, we, we keep going. We'll get through more of your text messages coming up in just a moment. But let's get to the head coach, Rick Tockett, after the Canucks bounce back with a 5-2 win in Montreal. And here he is post-game. It's a real solid game. You know, uh, you know Montreal's not back back like us. Um, like the response. I thought it was a really, like, really good game. 200-foot uh, game by everybody. So... You know, it's good to, you know, two on one on this road trip. We're going home, so pretty pleased with the effort tonight. I'm sure you liked Garland's goal, but what about the assist on the uh, Joshua goal in terms of where he was around the net? Garland's been playing really well. You know, he's one of the better last five, six, seven games, one of the better forwards. Um, you know, he's uh, he's done a nice job. I really uh, think he, uh, that line actually has been one of our better lines the last three, four games. They, they're, they're our best line in uh, Toronto, so um, good for them. Really good line. Yeah, he's really, uh, to me, he's uh, deserved to play in those situations. Um, and I had a feeling, too, like uh, I put him with Millsy and uh, I got lucky on that one. And uh, I shouldn't say I'm lucky because he deserves to play a little bit more. And I put him on that line. He got that big goal. Millsy, hell of a play. It was actually a great breakout to a transition game. So um, good for guards. That was a big goal for us. Yeah, you know, Teddy, listen, he, he's been off since the first game. Um, I thought he was really good early. Um, a little bit of rust, but uh, just really a, a highly is it hockey IQ, right? Um, and you got to get him out there. You know, that's why I was trying to get him out there and play him. He's so, you know, he did a couple of nice jobs in the penalty kill. So, you know, he's he's only going to add stuff to our team. You have a shift where Susie and Myers both yeah. get hurt at the same time. It seemed like he parked himself on the blue line. Is that an example of the sort of savvy or intelligence that he can bring to your group. The Seuss? God, no, it was Bluter. Oh, Bluter. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I just, he just, he's a team guy. He just knows situations, you know. Um, yeah, that was a pretty tough sequence for the, you know, Mizey gutted out. Um, but yeah, that was a tough sequence, but uh, that's what you want. You know, you want your forwards to bail your defense out. Any update on He'll get evaluated on, uh, and back in Vancouver, so we'll, we'll find out. I've liked him all year. He is um, solid. He looks big in the net. Um, you know, he won both games for us. Uh, what is he for? Like I, I don't. Know, I just think he's just a terrific addition. Like uh, um, one of the well-liked guys on our team. You know, he knows his role. He's not. He's taking shots after practice. You know, he's just. He's a super teammate and uh, good for him. He's playing great for us. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously very happy with the performance tonight and uh, gave uh, some special credit to Connor Garland saying he's been one of their better players recently, has done a nice job, liked their line a lot in in Toronto. And, and I do agree, that was the best line. And we, we discussed that on the postgame show last night that not a good game from the Canucks top six players. Their fourth line wasn't great either. But hey, that Garland Suter line, they were the one that, that was probably the best line five on five. And they were strong again, but it was really Connor Garland. Like he, he was maybe the Canucks best forward after, I mean, you can make the argument him and JT tonight. Like mm-hmm. he was certainly in the discussion. 
Yeah, tonight, again, I kind of disagree that Garland's been one of the better for the past five, six, seven games uh, Rick Taka was mentioning. Um, hey, he's pumping his guys' tires. Yeah, and and we're allowed to disagree. <laughs> we're allowed to uh, take the air out of those tires a little bit. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, tonight, yeah, I, I think he probably was their best forward. Uh, yeah, JT's probably the only next best candidate like Josh went like there, there were a lot of good games uh Josh had a good one McKay had a good one obviously you guys that uh, uh featured on the score sheet but you know tonight tonight was like you you see the effectiveness of Connor Garland when he's contributing yes. on the score sheet and then you notice all the and his feet are going and he makes some good plays in the neutral zone and the defensive zone you know we talked about the one where he's, he's blocking the shot high yeah. up the point a lot of good stuff there from Garland it's just when when you're Paid as a point producer, mm-hmm. and I, I understand the role. I get it, but there's a demand to be the one that produces. Still, yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, like the production, like you can't have three points in fourteen games. No, absolutely, I don't disagree about that at all. And that's where it has to. The bottom line has to come up and. I do think now that Pew Suter's getting going as well, mm-hmm. I think that line has the potential to create a bit more. But we also have to be realistic about a guy who's averaging, what, 13 minutes a game, 14 minutes a game of ice time, playing, you know, secondary five-on-five five minutes, essentially. How, how many points can you truly expect out of him? It's more, for me, about can that line control play? Now, you want a bottom line. Like, I don't want to get to, get to the end mm-hmm. of the season. He has five goals and 21 points mm-hmm. or something. But it might be hard to get 40-plus points when you're playing this type of role. In the third line. So if they just win their matchups consistently, it'll just help the team out. But yeah, tonight it just came through in a big way. I'm I'm more concerned with the bottom line production because the team overall is scoring. It'd be one thing if it's like, hey, a lot of two nothing wins, three one, and they're eking these out, and the and the style of play is not conducive to overall production. The team's scoring, so your production has to follow suit. it can't always be on JT. It can't always be on PD to drive their lines. And you're the play driver on the third line. That's your role. So the production has to follow suit for a team that is flooding the net with goals. Absolutely. And uh, the coach also mentioned somebody uh, that, that was an addition to the bottom six helping out in a big way was Teddy Bluger. Now, he did mention some rust, and he's going to get have to get his timing back and get back into rhythm after missing a lot of time with his injury but you did see overall the intelligence in him his forechecking a couple of mistakes here and there but as the games go on here i think we're, we're going to see teddy bluger make a big impact yeah and it was 14 minutes tonight uh only 24 seconds on the pk uh i'm really excited with the player just because i like defense and and it's it's like another specialist guy to play in a role uh, I, I'd be really excited uh, once he gets his legs going. It, it's going to take five games. It's going to take ten games, whatever it is. But as soon as he gets the rhythm of the game back, uh, I, I think there can be an excited player. And he, he, Rick Talkin mentioned a couple of selfless moments, and I think you'll see that over the course of time. It just get games, get games right now. Yeah, and, and I thought one thing he contributed well to was protecting the middle of the net. Mm-hmm. The coach mentioned last game he didn't like the rail guys, and what but by that he means guys in the middle, protecting the middle. So imagine a horizontal line across the face-off dots and the hash marks. That's the area they want their center, the first guy into the zone on defense to protect. And we saw a couple goals last night where JT Miller and Pedersen found themselves below that line despite being the first guys uh, inside uh, inside the zone, and that led to a couple goals against Vancouver tonight. They were far better in not allowing that to happen. 
those guys are better in that, JT and, and Pedersen, but also Teddy Bluger and obviously Pew Suter the way he's been. And, you know, we had somebody texting in and mentioning it's nice to have a team that can roll four lines. We'll see to what effectiveness they can as the season goes on against, you know, bigger and better teams. But that can be a real advantage to this team if they can have four, these four lines with these four centermen playing as consistently as they're able to. Be huge. Uh, and, and then throw in Sam Lafferty, who can feature as as a right-handed face-off guy as Another well. Another layer of depth. Yeah, yeah. so it, it just... It, they real, Realistically, they do have 13 NHL forwards right now. Well, we can talk about roles and all that sort of stuff, but that's why it's going to be competitive to get into the lineup. And, and, and that's why people are a bit sour. It's like, did Hoaglander really deserve to come out? It, you can make a case for Nils Hoaglander to be in the lineup, but tonight the decision uh, to go with Joshua over Hoaglander pays off. Yeah, absolutely. It paid off in a big way. Uh, let's hit the text inbox. A lot of reactions. 650, 650. Uh, f- uh, from Captain Jack Myers with the two back-to-back plays causing the best room PDG goals. Let's go Big Tuna is a text message for yeah. uh, Tyler Myers. And Myers, you know, he's been getting criticized. He was on the ice for one goal against, but that was the first goal. Like He was on an 8-0 run in terms of goals for than against, and then one happened last night in, in Toronto. He was far better after a bit of a shaky first. I thought he really, he really settled into the game well yeah the, the the first again for a lot of players yeah was uh it wasn't a great first period yeah. by the team yeah but everyone just kind of settled down and and i wonder i wonder if that shift where he and my and, and susie uh get knocked up and and he takes a knock in the corner there wakes you up and they're like all right gotta play the game and again it, I, I think you would look at this and say myers was you know a, a solid six and a half seven out of ten and that's what you want from tyler myers just steady yeah just be steady don't get in your own way don't get in your own way is a huge thing and you know when, when he when he starts doing that you can see him just kind of fight the puck and want to do too much when he's simplified because he mm-hmm. can make all the plays that's the thing it, it's not it's not trying to like put limitations on him like he can make all if, he, yeah. if he's making quick decisions he can make those passes he can he can see the lanes he can skate into them it just you, you have to play quick and tonight improved as the night went on, which is a huge like you want to be able to improve as the game goes on. Yeah, and they certainly did. Now sets themselves up for that home game on Wednesday against the New York Islanders. Now uh, the coach also was full of praise for Casey the Smith because the, the Smith obviously is now four zero and one in his mm-hmm. five starts of the Canuck and his nine numbers- points. <laughs> It's, it's been great. Yeah. I mean, he's picking up points in every single game he started so far. Uh, he's done more than his share uh, to help this team. And I thought he made a number of big saves. We spoke to Randy about it. But I thought in particular that third period save on Sean Monaghan when it's 3-1, Montreal's pushing a little bit. And if they get make it 3-2 at that time with a lot of time left in the period, it, can, we, we would, it would be interesting to see how the game would have gone. Um, but... He came up big with a number of big saves. I still don't love his rebound control. It kicks things out, but he still makes saves. He battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kicked one out uh, to, um, uh, to was it Pinard? One in the first period. Harvey Pinard, yeah. Harvey Pinard, there, there was a chance for Pinard. He kicked one out, a juicy rebound. Pinard had a I great chance. That was a hard shot it was, from but, but neutral zone. He recovered and made yeah. a great save. You could tell after he was frustrated with himself, though, for kicking out that rebound, but... He battles. He makes a second save. If he does kick out a bad rebound, you just can't. You just cannot ask more than what you're getting from your backup goaltender than Casey DeSmith right now. The Caulfield save was the big one for me uh, at at three nothing. Um, we, we saw it against Edmonton, kind of the the slot cross, high low pass, like the double whammy. Now this one wasn't as severe as an angle, but coming from down low to up high, and it's Cole Caulfield. Goal scores, yeah. score, and the Smith like was there early. 
it's one thing to come across and like flail, blocker, turned it away. We always like, oh, that's the great save. You know, it's a really great save being there early and just sucking it right in. Yeah. No, you're right. When you're when you're there and and doing all the work before the sh- the, the shooter even gets a shot off, that to me is a great save because it's there in time, eyes on the puck, taking away the angles. Uh, that to me was the big one because it was an interesting moment. They're at three nothing earlier in the period. Yeah, uh, obviously Matheson gets the goal later, but you get that one. Um, it's, it's big. You no, know, strong game from Casey the Smith, the coach, also lauding him for being a great teammate. And uh, it's one of those things where if you're a good teammate and you're good on the ice. That's the type of locker room guy you want to have. And Casey DeSmith is checking all the boxes right now for the Vancouver Canucks. He also mentioned the coach, Carson Soucy, is going to be reevaluated in Vancouver. So no update really, but doesn't sound great. You know, we'll see if he's out for an extended period of time or not, but not a great update when you mm-hmm. have to say he has to be reevaluated. So you don't want to say too much right off the bat. Because if it wasn't too bad, you'd say, yeah, nah, he'll, be fine. he'll be okay. But. Uh, hopefully, it's better when he gets back home. And, Maybe wait and, for the swelling. Yeah, we'll see. What, whatever the case is with uh, with Carson Soucy, who left the game in the second period after blocking a shot and did not return to the game. Uh, just really quickly, cycling back to uh, DeSmith, a lot of questions coming in about how do you handle the back-to-backs here with the goalies. Because uh, we, we've seen them kind of do the um, Casey DeSmith gets the uh, out-of-conference games. He's played Florida. He's played New York. He's played yeah. uh, Ottawa. Plays Montreal tonight. It is... Islanders on Wednesday and then a divisional game against Calgary on Thursday on the road. Uh, I think you go Demko on Wednesday and then to Smith on Thursday. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. It would just be a long time off for, for Demko. Well, then that would mean that Thatcher Demko would have had uh, one start. We would have had two starts. Uh, well, three starts in 10 days. Yeah. I'd... I'd is it, would be, it would be his third start in 10 yeah. days. So Give him Wednesday, give him Saturday, and you're kind of back on schedule. I think that's what you do. Plus, again, it's, I know it's an out-of-conference game, but this is a marquee game. It is, and it's back home again, too, in front of your own fans, and I think you want to have uh, Thatcher Demko between the pipes for that one. And also, just right now, the Islanders are the better opponent. Mm-hmm. Than the, than the Calgary Flames. So uh, that's the way I would go with that split. We'll get to more of your text messages coming up in just a few moments, but let's go back to the phone boards. We've had Aiden waiting patiently to get on, so let's get Aiden on the phone phone line. What's going on, man? Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, how's it going, boys? Good. You, you know, I think this game was a bounce-back game from yesterday. Mm-hmm. They're on a hot streak. They're doing well. Um, I... I love Casey D. Smith. He's nuts. He's a really good goaltender. And to start out as a backup goaltender, a 4 one that's pretty impressive if you ask me. No, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, for sure. Sorry. Um, yeah. Technically, on an average, um, you start 4 one in a backup goaltender scenario. That's I don't know. I, you can't ask for a better better start. And I don't know. The Canucks played well. They won 5-2. They lost yesterday 5-2 or 6-2 against the Leafs. They came back. They won the opposite today. They bounced back in dramatic fashion, too. 5-2 to 5-2, right? Yeah, so, no I don't least. know. It was fun. I, 
no, yeah, exa- exactly. Awesome. Thanks so much, Aiden. Uh, thanks for calling in. That's Aiden calling in with his thoughts on the Canucks winning 5-2 over the Montreal Canadiens. And also mentioned Casey the Smith. He's getting, like you mentioned, a lot of people texting in. Shooter, Tudor, Tyler, and Pablo from Montreal are both kind of wondering, does he get 30 starts this year? So right now, Trending he's on, towards he's it, on yeah. pace for 30 starts. Demko's on pace. Well, I think 28 and, and 54 is kind mm-hmm. of the pace. I think they would like to get it to 28, 30. I think anywhere from... 27 to 31, 32 would be the number. And certainly when you get to like February, you can adjust the plan because if you if you feel confident you're going to be a, a, a Pacific Division yeah. seed, now you can say, okay, our, can we get an extra game here for, for DeSmith rather than uh, holding off uh, and, and jamming and Demko in there because you want the points. If, if you feel settled, you're going to get a, a, a divisional seed, then you can find an extra start here or there for Casey DeSmith. Absolutely. I will say, and look, it, different levels here. Because Casey DeSmith, I think, is a lot more uh, solidified than the guy I'm going to mention. But uh, there were calls like this when Spencer Martin started. Because he did go 3-0-2. He did start 6-1-1 last year. And it's like, ah, oh, Spencer Martin! That's why I, I, if, if I've seen a couple people text in, you know, sh- should he challenge Demko? I'm like, it's like no. I'm not even going to bother no. going down that but road. That's We've why, been through that's that That's why before. I'm bringing it up because... People love the backup, man. Backup plays well. It's, was a, gr- like, it's a great gig. You know what? It's like the hot hand fallacy. A backup it's, wins a couple games. Like, he can't lose. He's never going to lose. It's it's a great <laughs> gig. Everyone loves you. Oh, yeah. You open the door. It's great. And the fans love you. So you have one good game. It's like, well, maybe this guy and, can do it. And, you know, like I always talk about entry point. Yes. If, if if a backup goalie has to go in during a game, something's gone wrong. Yes, like they've given out seven goals. Like that's like get this guy out of here. But, but and the next guy goes in clean, and everyone's like full of fire. And you make one save, you're like, all right, like this guy's awesome. But the fun, the great thing about him too is the one game he came in was the first game of the season because Demko threw up all over himself <laughs> in that in that eight one win over the Edmonton Oilers. You're not painting a metaphor there. No, I'm just like, saying. literally. No, I'm just, yeah, he literally did. Threw up on himself. I'm just like, saying, this guy's yeah. having a bad game. He's throwing up all over. No, like, literally. No, he literally did. Yeah. Uh, and Tyler says, uh, no, uh, this one, sorry. Tyler says, that the Smith get his video tribute tonight? Hashtag jokes per 60. <laughs> no, a very short-lived stint as a Montreal Canadian. All right, uh, we'll get back to more of your text messages, and we'll hear from Casey the Smith on the other side and Connor Garland. After a 5-2 Canucks victory over the Montreal Canadiens on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Here's Pearson in again on the left wing. Center pass in front. What a save by DeSmith on a tap-in chance for Monaghan at the top of the crease. Casey DeSmith sliding to his left is able to hold it out off the pad. And it remains 3-1. to one. I've liked him all year. He is um, solid. He looks big in the net. Um, you know, he won both games for us. Uh, what is he, 4-0? Like, I, I don't know. I just think he's just a terrific addition. Like, uh, um... One of the well-liked guys on our team. You know, he knows his role. He's not. He's taking shots after practice. You know, he's just—he's a super teammate and uh, good for him. He's playing great for us. That is Canucks head coach Rick talking on Casey the Smith, four zero and one as Canucks netminder. 
found a way to help the team win 5-2 over the Habs tonight. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Um, you know, the Canucks lost 5-2, 1-5-2, and they had some trouble scoring, generating offense and scoring last night. But tonight, a far different story. Connor Garland, Ilya Mikheyev, and Dakota Joshua made it 3-0 at the time. Montreal made it 3-1 with Mike Matheson scoring. Then Brock Besser, Arbor Jackai, and Phil DiGiuseppe with another empty netter. They close out the scoring for a 5-2 win for your Vancouver Canucks. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar. And we are going to get to some of your thoughts and comments on our text inbox coming up in a bit. Uh, but we mentioned we were going to hear from Casey the Smith. And let's hear from him first because I thought it was some interesting thoughts from him here post game with the game he had. And then we'll talk about what's going on with Carson Soucy. But here is the Canucks netminder after a 5-2 win. You know, I thought we we defended hard, and I think we've been doing that all year. And if we keep doing it, you know, we're a good team because we have a lot of guys who can score and put the puck in the net. So, um, you know, as long as we keep defending hard, we're really tough to beat. You were pretty hard on yourself after the win in Ottawa, uh, perhaps maybe unfairly to yourself. What about tonight? How did you feel? Uh, I felt really good. Uh, I had to ruin it at the end, obviously. Um, but, you know, just I felt better in the last game, and... I thought I was pretty good all night, uh, so happy to bounce back after what I was not super happy with in Ottawa. There's, there's a rich and long history in Montreal, and you might be the only player who played a golf tournament without playing <laughs> a game or even a day at a training camp. What have you kept of your 30 days with the Montreal Canadiens organization? I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, like I've said, I grew up a big Habs fan, so just to you know to meet everyone. I met Carey Price at the golf tournament, who I grew up you know idolizing and watching, and just to be around all the the staff and go in the locker room and skate with the guys, just do all that stuff with them was it was a thrill for me for sure. And you know, obviously didn't stay there, but uh, I'll always remember my time. Do you have a jersey? Do you have something? Yeah, they actually gave me a jersey tonight, so uh, my dad's going to be really excited about that. (laughs) Even though you didn't play a game for the Habs, does it it feel kind of extra good to do this against a team that traded you? Yeah, no doubt. Um, You know, just like when you play against one of your close buddies or, um, you know, against a team that traded you, I always want to win. I mean, I want to win bad every night, but just has that little bit. What's the number with your jersey? I guess it's not 29 because it's Ken Dryden. So that is why they gave you 29. I'm sorry. What's the jersey? With the number of the jersey with with, with the abs? It's 29. Yeah. 29. Okay. Yeah, I would have. I would have so. <laughs> worn that because of Ken Dryden. Okay. You know, here I grew up uh, idolizing Ken Dryden. Okay. Big time. I wore that in college because of Ken Dryden. Oh wow. Well, well, um, but I obviously couldn't wear it in Montreal. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> That is Casey the Smith, who was a uh, Montreal Canadian for 30 days, and he said he loved being a Canadian for 30 days. He was in a golf tournament, uh, and uh, we were, we started laughing when he said, "I grew up watching Carey Price." The only reason we laughed is because that dates us. We're like, man, like the you know, well, these people are, are young; they're much younger than we are now. So, yeah, he grew up watching Carey Price, he's, he's and he grew 30. up a, a, a Habs fan. 
He's 32 years old, and Carey Price is 36. Now, uh, when do they each start playing in the league? Different timelines. Obviously, it was 07 for uh, Casey DeSmith and much... Uh, or, sorry, 07 for Carey Price and much older for uh, Casey DeSmith. Yeah, but it's you not- probably talk about he was in college, right? Probably grew up watching in college, so he's just, just 20, 21 years old. I grew up watching him. There's four years difference. What's going on here? But, yeah, Casey DeSmith, a strong game for the Vancouver Canucks between the pipes. We have a lot of questions. Sean from North Van asking us... Who's going to get called up uh, with Carson Soucy out potentially against the Islanders? And he is going to get reevaluated, but we'll see ultimately what happens. Now, it's not just so simple for the Canucks to just call somebody up. Right now, the Canucks are at their roster limit of 23 players, and they currently have no cap space. They're capped out using all the LTIR space as well. So that means unless Carson Soucy goes on LTIR right away, which I don't think he's going to, I think it's unlikely unless it's a really significant injury, and hopefully it's not that. The Canucks can't just call somebody up on emergency because they have players. So unless they demote someone, they can't really call somebody up. Now, they could potentially just send Jack Studnika down because right now they have 14 forwards and seven defensemen. You can send Jack Studnika down. um, And I think he hasn't been up here for 30 days yet after his emergency call up was made an official recall. So there is some room to perhaps send him down without waivers. Potentially, I'll have to double check that. We're just trying to do it on the fly here on the show. But they may have to make a corresponding move to bring somebody up. So that's the first thing. So it's not mm-hmm. that easy. So you could see very well the Canucks choosing to go with the status quo and actually forcing the coach into going with two righties on the third pair with Friedman and Juleson. But to answer the question about who is next in terms of getting the recall, I mean, the obvious answer is Christian Willannon because he's he's great in the AHL, has always been. Uh, he has 14 points in 13 games. He's always there piling up points and a safe guy to call up. And outside of that, I mean, the Canucks have a couple of righties. It kind of comes down to Matt Irwin, who's a veteran from Victoria, B.C., who was here in training camp. He's a lefty, though. He's a lefty, Mm -hmm. right? And well, so is Christian Willana, right? Those are lefties. And then it kind of comes down to uh, Akito Hirose as well. Now, Hirose has no points in 11 games so far. It depends on how they view his progress as being. The easy guy to call up as a professional who's been there before is Christian Mm Willana. So I think those are the options you're looking at. Matt Irwin or Christian Willana at this point. If you want the vet guys, it obviously makes the most sense to pick them up. Uh, and just rely on veteran experience. Nothing wrong with that. I just, every time Rick Tockett has a chance to talk about Akito Rossi. He does, yeah. Smart player, great great sense, good timing, all this stuff. Um, As far as organizational depth chart, um, who do I think is higher value? I I think it's Akito Rossi. It's more likely Irwin, um, but for me, it's... Take the guy you really like. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, I hate you're not going to hear me criticize Akita Hirose very much. So uh, we'll see ultimately what happens there in terms of the recall options for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, let's continue on the text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we talk about backup goaltenders and how everybody loves them. And basketball Phil says, Sat, shame on you. Goalie controversy is, controversy is a go-to move in this market. Did you not learn anything from Pratt, uh, LMAO, and first half I was calling for Drew Locke. Everyone loves the backup. And hey, see? Gino held on. The Seahawks held on to win, so it worked yeah. out. It was fine. 
It's been a while since a real goalie controversy in this market. Yeah, it really has been. And uh, it's been a while since we had this much fun early season for the Canucks, like Kevin hmm. from Poco. This is fun. It is. The Canucks yeah. are 11-3-1 on the season. And this is a game we, we spent a lot of time so far talking about J.T. Miller, Connor Garland. We mentioned Philip Peronik, his 10-game point streak now, one behind Kearns and Bubla, who have 11. Um, we talked about Susie leaving now, Casey the Smith. But one other storyline, which I think is really impressive since he's come back from injury, is Ilya Mikheyev. He gets another goal here tonight, Big. He's now up to six goals on the season, nine points in 11 games as a Vancouver Canuck this year. Sometimes people wonder last year, you know, why did they sign another winger and how is this going to fit? Don't they have other needs? Well, this this is the year where the team is having success. He's coming back and you're seeing how important he can be to the squad. And he's effective in... In, in a role right now where they're managing his minutes. Mm-hmm. like It's 12 minutes and 40 seconds tonight. That's probably not the usage that they wanted from a guy that's playing you know, over $4 million for. So as he builds more trust and builds more strength in his knee, and you know, I, I think there's a version of Rick talking. It's like, I really want to play this guy more because you can see he's very effective uh, and, and gets another goal. It's, it's six goals now. Very impressive. But now some of these are long distance and, and going in. Jake Allen didn't even have a stick for that goal. But he's also had some absolute sitters that he's healed in, in the early part of his uh, comeback here. So I'm okay with the looking at six goals and say, yeah, that probably feels good value. He's like, he's such an intelligent player, gets in good spots. I love just how aggressive he was on that goal. Season opening, charges mm. through it, and you can see that natural speed. He's a good player, man. He's a good player. And his shot's decent. Like mm-hmm. He's not you know, a high-level scorer, but his release is solid. Like He's a guy who can score 20, 20 a year, right, with the opportunities. And we're seeing that this year. I mean, he's been fantastic. And I just love the overall impact he can make all over the ice, too. And we're not seeing his peak yet because he's just coming back from injury. I think there's another gear he can find. And as he grows more confident and more strength grows into his knee after having reconstructive ACL surgery. But he's just one of those guys that, along with Pedersen, is the perfect type of guy to have. And there's a clear identity now. You start going through the team in terms of guys along the walls. And tonight, they were far better in those details that we talk about. So you have Mikheyev with how he plays. And he's still not playing regularly PK. Like, that's the thing. It's No, he's not. His, his truest value might be seen on the PK. And we've yet to see that yeah no absolutely uh, Nate from Comox it took the Canucks around 40 games to have this many regulation wins last year insane love to see it well they have 11 right now and that leads the entire National Hockey League they only win in regulation they That's barely go to done. OT yeah no it's one OT game so far and it was against the Rangers That's it and they're very efficient when it also tells you how far ahead they are from last year 40 games to get to 11 regulation wins <laughs> It's it's November 12th. You know, you start looking at standings right now, and it's early in the season. But you know how we talk about how it's so lopsided in terms of points the Canucks are putting up? You look at their players, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Pedersen has 25 points in 15 games. JT, 23, for instance. Hironic has, what, 17 assists on the season. Quinn Hughes is just piling up the points. Their goaltenders have sparkling stats. Well, if you, if you start looking at the gap the Canucks are, are creating early in the season, this, this is just by being effective early in the season. Well, right now, they're tied for second in terms of... Uh, they have the second-best record in the Western Conference with 23 wins, 23 points. The team with the best record is the Vegas Golden Knights. They have 25 points on the season. And right now, Vancouver with 23 points is eight points up on the playoff bar with Arizona being the ninth-best team. So already this season, you're, you're opening up an eight-point gap 
on the team that's ninth in the playoff spot. And then if you just look at your own division, well, right now they have a seven-point lead on the team that's fourth, and that's the Anaheim Ducks. We're 10 days away uh, from American Thanksgiving as well. That's the race that you're trying to get to, right? Mm -hmm. So they have four more games, five more games before American Thanksgiving. It's the Colorado game, which will be the fifth one, American Thanksgiving on uh, November 23rd this year. So five more games, if if you can get what? Like even four points. 27 points at American Thanksgiving. We sat here and we're like, hey, if you can get to 21. Just be a bit over 500. Just have your nose over 500 by by that point and you're in the mix. At least be in the mix. Don't play, play yourself out of it. If they're sitting there with 25, 27, I mean, 23 already. And, and look, they can lose the next five games and still have a winning record at uh, the 20 game mark, which is, I mean, you, I hope it doesn't happen. Well, it's not but, a tempt fate. Well, uh, but look, like, there's a good chance that they can even get well beyond 27. Like, I'm just saying, at bare minimum, get four of the next 10 points. Bare minimum. Well, and you're, you're way ahead schedule. Realistically, I, I think they can get eight. Like, it's, it's, well, they could. So, so they're 13 points up on Calgary, who they play on Thursday mm-hmm. after playing the Islanders on Wednesday. And currently, they're 16 points on up on Edmonton. Now, those teams have games in hand. Mm-hmm. Edmonton has two games in hand. Uh, Calgary has one game in hand. But if you can take care of business against Calgary on Thursday as well, I mean, not to say it's over already because it's a long season still, but nonetheless, you put such a big gap between yourself and Calgary that you don't need to worry about them until... Something happens that changes the equation at some point, if you get to that point even. And I think Anaheim will fade. Maybe the Kraken go on a run. Uh, they're 5-7-3 right now, 13 points in 15 games. So maybe they're the Pacific Division team to, to, to kind of focus on. But realistically, Sat, I, you know, you, you know, Rick Talkin mentions this all the time of, hey, we just focus on ourselves on the game. It's 90% of what we do and 10% of what they do. The Canucks are very much like, hey, if we take care of ourselves, we don't need to scoreboard watch. No, true. However, I will say this. Their stretch of games over the next seven, they're not the hardest in ter- terms of opponents. There's Colorado mixed in there, mm-hmm. obviously. Vegas a very strong team. Vegas at the end of the month. But these next seven games, the, the most challenging part of that is you have two back-to-backs in the next seven, and it's seven games in 11 nights. Yep. That's going to be the biggest challenge here. So after this great run they had, and this is getting to the 20-game mark, the next five to seven games, not that they're critical, but if you can get through that phase being over 500, if you can win, say, four of those games and maybe pick up an OT point or something, you, will hope, you want to do better than that, right? You want to maybe win five of those. But I'm just saying, through that schedule, it's not going to be easy with two back-to-backs either. If they can come away with those games, winning four or even five of those, then you start putting the type of distance between yourself and you start thinking about how much higher can go go up the standings. Because you set yourself up now to really figure out what you are in terms of being above just a bubble team. If you can take care of business these next seven, then the discussion is going to change after 22-23 game mark. We'll be sitting here talking about, all right, can the Canucks compete for the division maybe even? You're not there yet, but you get through the next seven and you keep your head above water and keep a close gap with the Vegas Golden Knights, we can have a different conversation than anything we had imagined coming into the season. It's a, a tough schedule as far as when they're playing, two games against San Jose, which is nice. Two games against Calgary, which is... Sorry, two games against Seattle, which I think is nice. One against Calgary. So it's it's not exactly banner competition. Uh, Islanders and Colorado are going to be difficult. How do you manage the emotion of the first one leading into the rest of the, the yeah. seven games you're talking about? But two games against San Jose uh, helps a great deal here in these next 11 days. Yeah, two against San Jose, two against Seattle. And the Islanders game is going to be a charge one.
because Bo Horvat makes his return. And uh, that's something that people have texted in about. Uh, somebody else texted in mm-hmm. and said, uh, the Canucks bounce back. I'll tell you that for free. So people are, they already have Bo Horvat on their minds already. At, at least they're waiting until after this game is over. And that's like, all right, we're ready. We're yes. ready. It's, it's, it was perfect timing because uh, after Ottawa, it was like, go get Toronto, go get Toronto. And then the Toronto game, it's like, all right, hey, got to finish the road trip. There was a couple of messages. There's been way more Horvat-related texts tonight than there were last night. Uh, but, yeah, people can be fired up for a, a pretty important game. No, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll get to some more of your thoughts. I, I saw a couple that I'll try to dig up here about hey, what do you think happens on Wednesday? In terms of fan reaction? Yeah. Oh, he'll get an ovation. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I, I'd be, I, I think, I'm curious if, like, in the timeout when they do the video tribute, it's huge ovation and all that, and then during play, it's different. I think you might get a smattering of boos. Depends on how the game goes. But I think he'll get, when he gets on the ice, I'm sure people will, will applaud him. And I think when they show the tribute, whenever that ends up being, he'll get a nice ovation. I, I don't believe the fans are going to be that tough on him. Not in the arena. Mm-hmm. No. And especially with the team having success right now, being as good as they are, you know, 10-3-1 start to the season, you know, had the Canucks been struggling. But that the atmosphere. Yeah. Well, it does. Well, maybe the cockiness a little bit. Yeah. Just because I was like, hey, we're winning. Let's make it loud. Match the atmosphere that happens in Long, a- Long Island. Because I've heard it's it's really good in Long Island. I was, yeah. I was told for free. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Trav and Nanaimo. Horvat would take a hometown discount to stay on this team now. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> Tell you the, I tell you that for free text are coming in Yeah, today. this one says, Happy Diwali. I'll tell you that for free. So, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Just finding any <laughs> usage for it. <laughs> All right, 650, 650, some other stuff I wanted to get to. Uh, who's the Canucks early unsung hero award? DeSmith, DiGiuseppe, or Cole? Tight race, unsigned text. Uh, give me Phil DiGiuseppe. Although, here's the thing. I mean, he gets so much credit on I, our I show. Would, I was going to say, in, like, in my bubble of like... We talk about I, Phil I, so I talk, much. I'm on air right before you guys. I see you in reach all day. We talk about it. I think in my bubble, he is well sung, to be honest. Yes. Yippee! <laughs> That's all I can think about. We have now. drops of Phil DiGiuseppe. And he joins the show. He's like, how you doing, fellas? Honestly, uh, Eddie's thrown that drop in so many times. Eddie, every time I see Phil DiGiuseppe, I just think, I just, that drop just pops into my head. That. <laughs> Consistently. So I, Re, it's, it lives rent-free in the, my mind. The, the biggest compliment I think we can give PDG is that he's, he's, he's properly sung. He is. He's, he's moved out of unsung to like, Look at this guy. He is. And, he, and Ian Cole gets a lot of credit. Who are the other guys he mentioned? Uh, DeSmith. Casey DeSmith, Ian Cole. Um, yeah, DeSmith. Like, I, think, I think it's probably between PDG. And Cole. And Cole. Now, if DeSmith winds up getting like 45 points this year, 40 points, um, that'd be remarkable. If he gets 30 starts, gets 40 points for the team, that'd be amazing. Uh, but I, I still think as far as fans will vote... PDG is probably the the leader, but I guess a sneaky candidate, Pew Suter. He's Suter, I think he's getting there with yeah. the way he's been playing recently. I'd go with Ian Cole. Mm-hmm. Somebody else texted in Ian Cole all the way. Just the minutes he plays, the role he plays, and how impactful he's been physically, physically defensively, even, even in his puck move has been solid. Uh, I'm with the text for Ian Cole. This text, unsung hero is Ian Clark. Yeah, sure. I mean, hey, sure. write-in votes are always welcome. Uh, but Ian Clark, I'm sorry, I have to jump in. Ian Clark has been credited for a lot of goaltending success yeah. in Vancouver the last four or five years. Yeah. Ask Markstrom, 
Ask Spencer Martin even a little bit. Yeah, we, ask Zilov. He gets plenty of credit. Patrick Demko at yeah. the end of press uh, at the end of season press have been like, keep the guy, please just, keep him, just yeah. keep the, just get it done. Uh, uh, absolutely, uh, Mike, uh, the urologist from Brockville. Cole is the exact kind of player the Canucks have needed but failed to identify for mm-hmm. years. Uh, that's a great point from Mike. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages. Uh, like this one says, "Unsung heroes are foot and gonchar." So here we go with the credit coming in again. All right, we'll get to more of your text messages. Ian McIntyre and more post game reaction from from Carter Garland and more. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar after a five two Canucks victory on the road against the Montreal Canadiens right here on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. And the Sportsnet Radio Network. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 25 seconds left in the game. Myers clears it around to the near side. Here's Besser at center. Drops to Miller. Into the Montreal zone. Right circle. Miller in front. DiGiuseppe scores! Phil DiGiuseppe set up by JT Miller. Adds the second empty net goal of the game for the Canucks. It's DiGiuseppe's third of the year. Dan Riccio's loving it. The Canucks lead 5-2. Dan Riccio had endless pros tonight. After watching PDG score an internet goal, helping the Canucks win 5-2 over the Montreal Canadiens to wrap up a road trip with four out of a possible six points. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, and we'll get to your text messages coming up in just a moment. Ian McIntyre is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts from Montreal from, for what he saw here against the Habs. Um, and on the conversation of unsung heroes, a lot of reaction on that. Uh, Pardeep says, you guys are giving Ian Cole the Unsung Hero Award, and I could not agree more. Would you co-sign management offering Ian an extension? One times four and a half or something? His value is only going up with these post-game awards being racked up. Up to Chelsea. Yes, up to Chelsea as well. It was a 4-4 tie. I don't want to get Chelsea. Anyways. I thought it was Chell. Chelsea. Up to Chelsea. Come on. Okay, want to play some Chell? (laughs) No, no No. Chell. Up the Chells. Uh, Unsung Hero. Is that up the Blues? No, you can say blue, up to Chels. Oh. Yeah, you can say different things if you want, but no, it's up to Chels usually. Unsung Talking he- soccer here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> here we are. Unsung hero is Myers, is one text message saying. Um, coaches really? are getting love. Yeah, somebody texted in and said Myers. Uh, Bo- paid six million. It's unsung. I'm just saying. Uh, Bo says Adam Foote and Corey from Grand Prairie, Alberta. Unsung hero is the Sidines. So the Sidines also getting some credit and kudos. I'll take the right in votes. I, I'm skeptical they're going to win the award. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, Steve from White Rock, with what PDG is getting paid, it's hard not to think he is the unsung hero yeah. so far. He's brought stability to our top six. He has. I mean, he's consistent with his effort. He's consistent with um, how hard he plays and how many pucks he, he pulls out and always available along the wall. And honestly, unselfish by JT. We mentioned this earlier, too, but he could have easily scored. And Brock. But especially JT in that spot, He's you know he's got nine goals on the season so far. He's piling it up, and it's like, you know what? Let let this let this guy get something in on the scoreboard as well tonight on the score sheet tonight too. Love to see it. Yeah, love to see it. Uh, another text coming in here while we're talking about you know unsung heroes. Who's the Canucks' most improved player this season? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, is it controversial to say JT? 
No, I don't think. I mean, is he playing any different than when he was playing? Well, I guess he's got more points this year than he like the way he was playing with Talkett, though, the way was he really finished, good. But it was, it was very really much good. like this guy. Like, are we sure? Well, people were wondering about that, but I mean, we've been I big fans would, of I, yeah, JT Miller. I always game. thought it would stabilize, but I also didn't think we'd see this version of a player. Like, the, he's been a beast. This is better than I thought any sort of bounce back would be for JT. I don't. I think that's a that's not a bad point. That's not a bad point. I mean, after that. This is cherry picking the stars, but it might be Quinn Hughes too. I mean, it's their best players that have really yeah. separated, and they brought some new players in as mm-hmm. well, and they've all played really well. But as far as the players who have been here in, in the past, you could make the case. I mean, Tyler Myers from how bad he looked at times last but year had, to now, but again, he had bad starts. Dreadful the game, to the three season. games early in the season. No, you know what? I the more I think about it, uh, I, I think I, the candidates are probably JT Brock and Quinn Hughes. You know, I'd say Brock. Yeah, I'd say Brock. That's a good one. I'd say Brock because, you know, scored again tonight, empty net goal. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. he's got his confidence back. And as a texter mentioned earlier, too, asked us the question why Tia, I think it was, asked us why was Brock out there late? Well, the coaches trusted Brock out late. And Brock won a bunch of puck battles tonight. He was good in terms of just being available for clearances, fighting for his positioning, taking sticks away. He's doing the types of things that line has built an identity to do, and he's a big part of doing it. We know he has the ability to win a lot of battles. He's back in the North Division year. He was one of the best players in the league in winning puck battles. That's really coming back to the forefront this season. The offensive touch is there. His scoring looks a lot better. He's getting a lot of bounces. Internet goal tonight. Things are going his way, of course. But the way Brock Besser is playing, he's back to being an impact top six winger again. And that's something this team was desperate in needing. Wow, a lot of texts coming in for Tyler Myers saying most improved. Surprising. I'm surprised. Yeah. But hey, if, if again, this market's fair. Yeah, this, this market's critical, but they are fair. How about this one? This one says, unsung hero is Bo Horvat for allowing us to get heroic. That's strong. <laughs> jokes That's for good. 60. I like it. Jokes for 60. I see you working. But, uh, I see you working. On the Bo Horvat stuff, uh, you know, people are texting in on this too. This one here says, I went to a game in Dallas last week. I shelved my Horvat jersey and brought back my Kessler jersey. Seems like a lot of Canucks fans did the same thing. Very few 53s around. And Nate from Colmock says, a Sat is so wrong. The fact that Canucks are doing better is going to make the Canucks fans, make Canucks fans even more ruthless in going against Bo. That's what I, I kind of agree. We'll see. We'll see. We'll I see what happens. We'll We'll see what happens on, on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. I think it's like, a lot of fans are kind of split on how it's going to go. Tim says fans should chant for free, for free, during the New York Islanders game. <laughs> well, there is often that chant uh, during the anthem. Uh, people yell free. So they're ahead of the curve on that moment. During the anthem, they always yell free. Yeah, they do. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, that's Nate from Comox and people texting him for free as well that's good that's good All right, Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages coming up in in just a moment but we mentioned Connor Garland Uh, Mm -hmm. he met with uh, the Canucks reporter Kate Patterson after the game he got a lot of credit from the head coach and here he is post game meeting with the media yeah just you know stuck to our structure Uh, good you know, uh, kill at the end there. You got the five on three goal, but we, you know, we we hung on there, and um, it was a good third period. Just played played the style we want to play, and uh, you know, that's a that's a hard team to beat when we play like that. Battled in the first, and then came out and scored three in the second. Now plus seventeen goal di- differential in that middle frame. What's critical for you guys in in being able to come out like that and really set the tone? Well, I'm not sure. I think it's just. Uh, 
you know, maybe just an odd stat. But, I mean, we just, uh, you know, we had a good second period moving our feet well, I think, on a back-to-back. Uh, sometimes it takes the first to get the legs into it, and then I thought we were, we were flying after that. And, uh, like I said, just closed it up and uh, locked it down on the third. Speaking of flying, you were out there buzzing around and, and finding ways to make plays and get to the net. What was key for you? Well, I feel like our line's been doing that all year. Um, you know, and Dak and suits have been uh, have been hot of late so uh, just uh, just keep we keep doing the same stuff we've been pretty good as a line and you know we're getting our confidence now and uh, we just want to be a good third line hard to play against and then chip in uh, when needed we've been able to talk about it a little bit this season Demko and DeSmith having them behind you especially DeSmith tonight what does that mean for the confidence of this group yeah I got to play with Casey this summer at the Worlds and uh, got to see how good he was and uh, I was very excited when we made that trade a great guy and a really good goalie that I don't think a lot of people knew about before he got here so um, he only makes our team better and you know we uh, you know won both games with him on the road trip and it's nice to have that uh, you know on our team this year Connor Garland postgame meeting with Casey with uh Connor Garland, who had a goal and an assist tonight and also was giving credit to Casey DeSmith, uh, a guy he's familiar with, with the way he played tonight. And, you know, the head coach mentioned how the players love Casey DeSmith, too, because he's a great teammate, but also with how hard he works, he's always available for the guys in practice for extra shots, and he's performed well. And we've we've spoken to former players before, too, and they say, like, when you have a backup, generally guys like playing for them because they know how much work they put in, and generally they're, they're guys who have good attitudes and they're good teammates. And it's kind of part of the job description. If you're a backup, you kind of need to have those qualities. Otherwise, it's hard for you to be a backup mm-hmm. long term. But there's a reason why backups are liked usually within teams. Uh, absolutely. Uh, 650-650. Uh, just catch up on the inbox here. Uh, this one from Art, the former child. At what point do we stop calling this hot streak and start thinking this is just who they are beside a couple of fortuitous bounces? Of course, the numbers are inflated. That doesn't mean what we're seeing is conceptually overblown. When can we feel safe? in that judgment. I think it's relative to what you expect this team to do. Yeah, I think uh, when you feel safe really comes down to your own perspective individually. Like no it, one can tell you how you know when to feel safe. What do you have a do you have a time frame in mind though for where you, where you would be like, okay, I, I'm now confident in what we've seen. I, I again I just think it depends like what you declared at the beginning of the season. Um and, and that's why it's important to have expectations. If you came into this and like, hey, I, I think this is a type of team that can go to the playoffs, well I think they've confirmed that for you. It, yeah. Like, yeah, it's fifteen games in, there's still a long way to go and but by and large I would say like I've read out the stats, you know, you win your first nine of your first twelve, thirty five of the forty teams go to the playoffs. It, it, it's it's hard to not make the playoffs from this point moving forward. But if you were like, hey, is this going to win two rounds, one round? Look, where are you on your bar? Then I'd, I'd you know, question that and say very much we'll see what happens come April and May if they can have a prolonged run. But right now it's like for me it was important for them to make the playoffs, not just because of the Pedersen thing, but just you, you do the OEL buyout, you, you – you, it's a transaction that shows yeah. you're serious about winning, so then you have to go win. Yeah. And this this organization just needs to take actual steps forward. Yeah, I think if you can get to 
like the 30 40 game mark and their game gets better and keeps growing now obviously injuries can always happen they can derail anybody's season mm-hmm. so that's something that has to be fortuitous for you obviously to be successful but if you get and, the and 30, they've had good fortune so far yeah, with the injuries yeah. if you get to the 30 40 game mark and you're consistent your game gets better i think you can feel pretty confident about where the team's at now you're not going to really know what this team's made of until you see them matched up against the very best later in the season get to the playoffs how they play in the postseason that's kind of where you kind of have to really find out about the team but it's just it's exciting that we're sitting here and talking about a team getting off to a good start the possibilities what they may be and it's not so much about hey is this team you know going to fight fight its way into the playoffs it's hey they can be a playoff team could they be more than a playoff mm-hmm. team and i think it's it's just fun that we can entertain those different possibilities with this squad right and now and somebody did text in when do they play la because we mentioned they play vegas at the end of the month they don't play la till february 29th that's the first la kings game and it's already kind of shaping up to be Canucks and Kings in the 2-3 spot. Yeah. Considering how good Vegas is, I don't see a big drop-off coming from them. Uh, Stanley Cup champions, everything like that. Uh, and they have the depth to survive some injuries. But So it, it very well could be Canucks and Kings. But it's going to be four games in the last 20 and then potentially a seven-game series. That to me is awesome. This is like Jaws, where it's like you don't see the shark for like an hour and a bit. It just the suspense just builds up. If it's going to be Canucks and Kings, February 29th is the first look. We're months away, and it's going to be like, what do they look like? We're going to watch all the Kings games from now to then, and then you see them four games in short order, then a, another series. That to me is. Uh can be some main event stuff. Hey, when you win 11 of your first 15 games all in regulation, it creates a lot of possibilities for your mm-hmm. team heading into the stretch drive in the season as long as you keep things going. All right, uh, it's time for our insider, Ian McIntyre, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. You watch him on TV, you hear him on radio, you read him on digital. He is a triple threat, Ian McIntyre. <laughs> The Bell Center is a really interesting arena, unlike any other. It's a fantastic place to watch a National Hockey League game. And if you're fortunate enough to become a reporter and you're writing in the press box a couple hours after the game ends, you get to listen to polka music blasted through the PA system for the benefit of the custodial (laughs) staff. Polka music. Polka music. That is fantastic. Yeah, it's probably not polka music. I'm I'm just calling it that. Okay. It's probably it's probably a subgenre <laughs> of polka music. There's there's like hand organ involved, you know, the whatever. Accordion, I guess. Accordion? Mm-hmm. It's gotta be polka. Yeah, it's, alas checks out. Alas I'm too busy to dance <laughs> because I'm writing. About uh, Casey Dismith and the Vancouver Canucks. Well, you are, and uh, were you also busy eating hot dogs instead of enjoying the polka? Before the yes, yeah. yes, oh, and yeah. and I expressed to several people, in fact, whoever would listen, the injustice, as I first described to you in last night's post game show, that you cannot buy the Sheehan showed buns in Vancouver. You cannot get. 
the Quebec hot dog buns, which are more like kind of like a piece of bread that's been welded shut <laughs> with a little opening at the top to put in the hot dog wiener. I was going to say toasted, but it's not toasted. It's bread. Anyways, it's, it's a shame. You can't get that. But maybe it's a good thing for me because I had two. And if people weren't watching, I would have had at least two more. <laughs> but I had I had two. So the under hits. The under right. hits. Not three. Okay. And uh, yes. And remember, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And remember you said uh, we, we challenge our listeners. If there is a place that's anywhere close to, uh, you know, Montreal styled hot dogs that they'll let us know in the text inbox. Well, Lane from Bowen Island texted in and said, tell IMAC the best Montreal-style hot dogs on the West Coast uh, are at La Belle Petite on Davie Street. I might, I might be pronouncing oh. that wrong, but yes. Yeah, you mean potat? Potat, yes, the, sure. The, the, good, the good potato? Yes, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm intrigued and excited uh, to get home uh, tomorrow. I may not go tomorrow. But I will try to find it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So they won a game. Uh, Casey they DeSmith, uh, he's, he's going to be in your story. Uh, but it, we were kind of talking about it earlier. Like, obviously, Sam Lafferty came in, and, and there's been, been other guys that come in. But has he been kind of the uh, best early season transaction? Well, I mean, the, the goalie position is so important that it's hard to – to overlook or underplay somebody who's now 4-0-1. I mean, Sam Lafferty has been terrific. Cole uh, has been terrific. Susie has been good. Uh, who am I missing? Well, Teddy Bluger is just now going to to start playing for them. Um, and, of course, Hronik. And I still put Hronik in the new category because mm-hmm. he only played four games last year. And he's he's been fabulous with Quinn Hughes. But when you have, when you have a second goalie that you have so much confidence in that on one of the biggest road trips of the year, biggest in terms of, you know, market exposure and audience, viewing audience, and, and you have so much confidence in Casey DeSmith that you can decide – ahead of time that you're going to play him in two of the three games. And then of course he wins them both in Ottawa and Montreal. That that's a tremendous luxury. You know, there's, there's a bunch of teams that would like to have one goalie. They can, they can count on. And there's probably an equally small number or, or a comparable number that believe they have two. And the Canucks believe they have two uh, really good goalies. I know that that talk it said uh, uh, early in the season or earlier in the season that he thought he had the best tandem in the NHL. I wouldn't go that far. I think we need to see a little more of Casey DeSmith. But uh, his start for the team, uh, considering that he had a tough go towards the end in, in Pittsburgh, uh, his start for the team has has been better than anybody could have expected, both in terms of winning games and and his stats. You know, his the number of shots he's saving. 
Yeah, and I mean, just the, the, I think the fact that he's been so solid, so has Thatcher Demko, but a lot of that obviously comes down to how the team plays in front of them. And last night in, in Toronto, we talked about how the final 40 minutes, they were very frayed. They weren't as connected. Their game was and not in, anywhere near where, where it needed to be when it came to their staples, right, and their details. Tonight, that was a lot better. You know, the first 20 minutes, I thought were a bit shaky, but for the final 40, in terms of where the team game was, I thought it was encouraging to see them bounce back the way they did. Yeah, uh, it it was, and it, it's especially important at this time of year. Ian Cole, among others, but you know, uh, Cole Cole has the moral authority to speak on winning because he's been to the playoffs so often, nine straight years, and and he has has made it a point since the beginning of the year that one of the things that that separates good teams from bad ones is that when you have when you have a bad game it doesn't bleed into two or three or a bad week or a bad two weeks. It, you, you turn things around quickly. And so the Canucks, the Canucks losing streak and that poor taste in their mouths from the Toronto game on Saturday night lasted 24 hours. And now, you know, I, it's hard to know like how good the Canadians are going to be. They've certainly been better than most of us thought they would be to this point, but they're a really fast team. They're a young team, so they are going to get better in time, but they're a really fast team. They're not easy to play against because they put a lot of pressure on you. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to call this that it was one of the Canucks best games of the season because they've played some fantastic games and thinking of recent ones, you know, Dallas and, and uh, St. Louis. And of course the, the blowout win against Edmonton, in San Jose, I mean, the Canucks have already um, notched quite a few five-star performances, considering we're only 15 games in. But under the circumstances, uh, this was one of the most impressive performances that they had because it came after the Toronto game, because they needed to stamp whatever that was, to stamp it out right away and come home with with renewed you know, momentum and feeling great about themselves uh, for Bo Horvat's return on Wednesday. Uh, we talked about him last night uh, and that there wasn't any production there for Karna Garland. And then sure enough, uh, he shows up today and uh, a couple of points and was probably the best forward uh, this evening. Just ha- how big was it for him to, to kind of have a nice statistical night? Yeah, I think I think it's big for, for anybody. But especially, you know, Connor has always been um, you know, he's an offensive player. He, he's always had more to his game than that, even, you know, considering how small he is, you know, kind of an agitator, uh, energy-type guy who everywhere he's gone has had to work his way up the lineup. But he's always worked his way up and become a, a scorer on his team. So, you know, those guys always need to score. It's not, even though coaches will say, I'll just stick to the process and you're, you're doing some other things that are good, uh, other than scoring, they always want to score. So that, that'll be, you know, a big relief for him. It'll make him feel good. I think I did say last night, though, Bick, that I thought he was was doing some other things for them, that he was on the puck a lot and skating well. And certainly tonight uh, was his best game of the year, where it just seems when he's on, and we saw it, uh, you know, a little bit uh, in his first season, when he's on his game and his feet are moving, the puck just seems to follow him. 
Like he, and he's got an incredible stick that it's like he has sometimes four sticks because he seems to be able to pick up loose pucks or, yeah. or, or pilfer them out of opposing players' skates or reach, you know, around them to, to, to steal it. He just seems, uh, he seems really busy, you know, when he's on. That he, he, You notice him everywhere. And I like tonight that it wasn't it wasn't kind of empty calories it wasn't it wasn't uh, circling the offensive zone with the puck around the perimeter but really never you know getting anywhere with it he he was playing mm-hmm. a fairly direct game in in getting the puck and himself to the net and uh you know it was good to see him rewarded that line quietly had an outstanding night yeah like the when you look at this the fancy stats for Suter, Joshua, and and Garland, they were absolutely absolutely dominant, and they played they played most most of their shifts. But it wasn't you know it wasn't a a fierce match matching game like we've seen a, a couple of the others. But they played most of their shifts against uh, Cole Caulfield's line and absolutely dominated at at five on five. I'm looking at my notes here. So shots for and against for Suter were 13-0 at 5-on-5, five five, mm-hmm. 12-3 for Garland and Joshua. And when the three of them were on the ice together, which, of course, they usually are, the shots were 11-0 for the Canucks in a game where I believe the final shots were 36-34. So that was a, a dominant performance for that line in their, in their matchups. And uh, Garland was a guy really driving it. Yeah, they found a real identity there with that line. And Pew Suter's coming along. He's got goals in four of his last six games as well. So they really got something cooking there. Um, we spoke about JT Miller earlier, but one guy I wanted to spend some time on here too was Quinn Hughes because he played 28 minutes tonight. He had an assist. He seemed to be in full control when he was on the ice again. And he looked quite a bit different than how he looked in Toronto last night. Yeah, it was a bounce back for him, but it was a bounce back for most of their guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably, well, it's always important what Quinn does because he's so influential and there's very few people on this planet Earth who can do what he does uh, as a defenseman. And so he's always important, but he was probably more important tonight because they lost Carson Soucy, uh early in the second period. So there, was, there, were, more, there were more rotations. It was less of him simply going out with Ronick, and he was playing with other partners. I thought he was. I thought he was really good. I, I think he could have been sharper in the offensive zone because he had a lot of shooting opportunities where he either couldn't get his shot through or couldn't get it on net. But he, it, it's just nice to have a guy. Well, it's nice to have a guy who's that good. Period. But it's nice to have a guy that when he gets on the puck, he dictates what's going to happen. And so if the other team is pushing and Montreal got the goal early in the third and it's three, one, and now the building is alive again. And, and the Canadians have a little more energy because uh, they're playing back to back as well. Um, but when Hughes is out there and he's got the puck, it just sort of diffuses everything when he has it, they can't, they can't have it till he decides that he's going to, to pass it or give it up. So he just kind of, uh, kind of dictates a tone uh, every time he's on the ice. And it's great for the Canucks that he's on the ice for them because, uh, again, there's just so few guys. I covered the league so long. 
and and really, there, I mean, there's been tremendous defensemen in this league, and we're 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 in a golden era now where there's more there's more great defensemen in the league under age 23 or 24 than I ever remember there being. But even then, I mean, the list after after Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, the guys who can play this way with the puck and and you know be as dynamic as they are that. That list gets pretty short after those two guys. He's a special player at Quinn. Yeah, he really is. And you mentioned a golden era for defensemen in the league, and hopefully the Canucks start a new era that's golden for this organization. After a great start, 11 wins in their first 15 games. Ian, it's always a pleasure having you on the post-game game show. We appreciate your time. We look forward to seeing you back in person again when the Canucks take on the New York Islanders. Bo Horvath's return on Wednesday. It's uh, You know what? It's, it was a good road trip, but that's a fun one to come back home to as well. It is, and I think uh, it'll be uh, an, a, a fairly good atmosphere in the building. I think the players will be excited, and you know I'll be excited to be back in the booth with Sat and Bick. Yeah, we look forward to it as always, so you can ridicule us in person instead. <laughs> well, I don't ridicule you too no, much. No, it's too much. It's usually Bick. Friendly Josh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, great stuff as always, Ian. I look forward to reading your latest on Sportsnet.c after yet another Canucks victory. All right. Good night, guys. You got it. And that is Ian McIntyre. And this insider was brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We both appreciate you all listening and participating with the show as always. Thanks for all your thoughts on the text inbox, on social media, and the phone boards. We can't wait for the next post game show on Wednesday after Bo Horvat takes on the Canucks in Vancouver. His return. Thanks for fast. Eddie Gregory producing the show and thank you all yet again and Bick you're back on the people show tomorrow I'm in tomorrow all right I have the day off but Dan Reach will be back oh. with uh, Canuck Central tomorrow so you know, maybe I'll get subbed in elsewhere I don't know yeah, yeah you might I don't yeah. know I'm, the boss may not have been on, up, to, up to date on my day off so <laughs> you might get a text message asking you to do an extra hour tomorrow Sad, so. it's like I'm not working tomorrow I'll tell you that for free <laughs> hey, that's pretty much what happened alright uh, thanks to everybody we look forward to chatting with you again very soon right here on the Home of Your Canuck Sportsnet 650